0: There was a young man by the name of Samuel, and perhaps you'll remember him from the Old Testament. He wasn't more than probably 16 or 17 years old. He was really just a boy, but he learned one of the most important lessons that any follower of God wants to learn. He learned how to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And Samuel was ministering during a day that was very, very dark in the nation of Israel. Perhaps you remember, this was right after the period of the judges, and things were so dark in the nation of Israel at this time that the Bible actually says it was very rare that anyone would hear a word from the Lord. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. And in those days, God rose a prophet up by the name of Samuel to speak a word to his people. Now, Samuel had to learn how to listen. To the Holy Spirit of God, the first couple times though, that he heard the Holy Spirit speaking to him, whispering to, to his heart, he went to a priest by the name of Eli, and he asked Eli, "Yes, sir, what is it? What is it, priest? What do you want to tell me?" And Eli says to him two or three consecutive times, uh, "I didn't say anything to you, Samuel. I wasn't talking to you," until the final time that Samuel goes to Eli and says, "Yes." my master, what is it that you want? Eli says to him, it was not me, it must be the Spirit of God himself that is whispering to you, and so you are to say when you hear this again, speak, Lord, for I, your servant, am listening. And so the Spirit of God speaks to Samuel a final time, and he puts his hands out like this. An open hand posture, I could imagine, and he tunes his ears to the Spirit of God, and he says, "Uh, speak, Lord, for I, your servant, am listening. And God speaks to him a word that he promises will make the ears of all of those who listen in the nation of Israel tingle, that he's going to do something now in the nation of Israel that is so profound that all the listeners, their ears will tingle. And God would raise up this young man, Samuel, and he would become this great prophet of God for the people of Israel and a great consultant to King David for the decades to come. He would be a leader in ministry for Israel as a prophet. Now, it strikes me we may never hear a word from the Lord the way Samuel did. As you read 1 Samuel 3, it kind of looks like, it sounds like, Perhaps he actually heard a whisper from God. We're not told that definitively, but that's what it looks like. I've never experienced that myself. You may or may not ever experience that. But I do believe, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that we can be guided by the Holy Spirit. And that's something that we need to learn to grow into over time. That is available to us as well. Last week, while we talked about this, as we looked at the Holy Spirit's conviction, You might remember that Jesus promises an advocate who would be a supporter and a comforter for us, and that advocate would come and he would convict us of the truth. He would point us back to the truth on a regular basis as we listen to him. And this advocate tells us not just what we want to hear, but like any good lawyer, he also tells us what we need to hear. He redirects us and guides us, and he even convicts us at the level of our own sin, Last week's message was really fundamental for this week's message. If you haven't heard that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that message as well. It leads into this week's message, which is about the Holy Spirit's guidance to us in various seasons and difficulties of life. I'd like to speak, though, this morning about five different principles that we can hold on to relative to the Holy Spirit's guidance to us today today. And the first one is this. Guidance principle number one, the beginning of guidance is submission. It's doing just what Samuel did. It's saying, speak, Lord, for I, your servant, am listening. I submit to you. What is the word that you would like to tell me? That's the beginning of guidance. It's that posture of, I submit to you. You know, if you get a new job, it won't do to go to your boss and say, I already know how to do this. News flash, you get a job making sandwiches at Subway or Jimmy John's, it won't do to tell your boss, I already know how to make a turkey and ham sandwich, thank you very much. No, you just say to your boss, speak, my boss, for I, your servant, am listening. Okay, perhaps not those words exactly, but that's the basic posture that you take when you get a new job, isn't it? Or at least it should be the posture that you take as you're seeking to learn about the structure and from that boss. And we don't really like this idea of submission, but this idea of submission is found all over the Bible. It has these negative connotations, though, that we think about, and frankly, I wish that I had another word to use besides submission for this foundational guidance principle. But this is the biblical word, though, that I want to teach you. It begins with submission to the Holy Spirit. Again, we have terrible connotations related to to this word. We think of the Nebraska Huskers pounding the Northwestern Wildcats into submission. Okay, that's a good connotation, right? That's a positive one. But negatively, well, we also think of things like, I don't know, we we, we say the UFC fighter pounded the other fighter into submission, right? Or um, the overbearing husband speaks in a way to his wife that's like pounding her into submission. Or the overbearing mother or father just won't let up on the kids and they always just have to, right? Okay, these are negative connotations related to those words. And I just want to say that if you're that kind of leader that thinks you have to pound someone else into submission, you're not much of a leader, Because if we strip away the cultural connotations of submission, we know that biblically, submission is actually a good word that is done in the context of loving relationships between two parties who really love and respect one another. Turn again now to John chapter 16. And we're going to be in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, as our anchor passage today. Remember, in context here in John 16, as you turn there right now, Uh, This is Jesus teaching his disciples a couple different things. He's preparing his disciples for, for what is coming to him. He's about to be crucified. And he's simultaneously teaching his disciples how the Holy Spirit will come to them and give them conviction and guidance. And be an advocate that leads them into truth at the moment of their great need. That they're about to experience resistance. They're about to experience persecution, and when that persecution comes, you're gonna need the Holy Spirit, and here are words about the Holy Spirit that is coming to you. Jesus says this, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now hopefully you noted the verses and the concepts that I highlighted in my Bible up on the screen. We're talking about marking up the book of John. And as I go through the book of John, I highlight key ideas that are really significant for my application from the Scriptures. And here are a few. Let's put that passage back on the screen. He will guide you to all truth. Again, he's the advocate that guides us into truth. Goes on to say, verse 13, he'll speak only what he hears, Verse 14, it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And verse 15, the Spirit will receive from me what he makes known to you. What's the point? The point is, the Holy Spirit is in submission to Jesus, and he will guide us as he is following Christ. What you see again and again in the Gospels is three co-equal members of the one triune God and those co equal members of the Godhead are in mutual submission to one another. And so Jesus says regularly, I do not speak any words of my own, but only that which the Father gives me to say. I don't do anything of my own, but that which the Father gives me to do. Not my will, but your will be done, he says. And so also the Holy Spirit, he speaks only what he hears. God lovingly submits to himself. Get your mind around that. I don't think I'm going to understand that one philosophically. But practically what that means, that God lovingly submits to himself, is that loving submission one to another in loving relationships is actually a good thing. And the most important relationship in which we submit is our submission to the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, I find it a whole lot easier to submit when I can really believe in the leader that I am following. Isn't that right? When you really believe, when you really have confidence in the leader that you're following, it's a whole lot easier to say, I'll go with you, I will follow you, I trust you. And my friends, there is no leader who has ever walked the face of this earth, that you can be more confident in following than Jesus Christ himself. He's the greatest leader that's ever walked the dirt of this earth. And so when we say, Lord Jesus, I follow you, and I follow your spirit whom you have given, I submit to you. That's just wisdom, to live that way on a daily basis, and that's the beginning of guidance. Some days it looks like this. I'm going into a difficult hospital visit today. Holy Spirit, I have no idea what to say. Would you please guide me? I don't know what I should say. I have a difficult visit coming up with a family member in which we need to talk about an area of tension in our relationship. I want to be gentle, I want to be loving, I want to be self-controlled. Holy Spirit, I need your help. I submit to you. I'm about to go into a meeting with a friend in which I have to tell my friend who is an accountability partner for me that I see him moving a little bit off the rails and I am concerned about what he's doing with his eyes and the way he treats the daughters of God. And I need to confront him on the, on, on the, the way he speaks to women, the way he treats women, and I'm concerned about this. Holy Spirit, would you give me wisdom on what I should say in this moment? I submit to you. Do you see? It's like it's a daily thing. I have something that I'm facing today that I simply do not have the wisdom for. If you're me, there's many things on a daily basis that I do not have the wisdom for, and I know it. So God, keep me humble that I would say I submit to you, and the more you do that, the more you're going to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Okay, guidance principle number two. The Holy Spirit wants you to live with confidence, the Holy Spirit really does want you to live with, God, with confidence. Like, if you really believed that God was with you and he was in you wherever you went, that he was the Holy Spirit that would guide you into truth, and that spirit was available to guide you into truth every day, no matter where you went, and he would never leave you or forsake you, if you really believed that, would you have more confidence than you do today? I believe we would. If we lived with a belief in that, Now you add to that these verses that also speak about the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives, which give us great confidence. Let me just run through a few of them real quickly. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts for ministry to others. So if you're a part of the body of Christ and you're not joining the mission of the church to make a difference in this church or through this church to the broader community with the spiritual gifts that God has given us, then you're missing out because part of the way God would give us confidence is by using the gifts that he has given us. Like the Holy Spirit gives us gifts for ministry to others to join the mission. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual fruit as we walk in step on a daily basis with the Spirit so also we have more joy. We have more love, we have more peace, we have more self-control. All the fruit of the Spirit comes to us as we're walking daily with the Holy Spirit. He gives us powerful speech beyond our own eloquence. He does. Like when you submit to the Holy Spirit, He will oftentimes give you something you couldn't come up with on your own that comes out in a more powerful way than you could have personally articulated. He prays on our behalf when we have no words. You might take photographs of these. Maybe we can go back to the previous one. If you want to take photographs of these, but because they're not on your outline, you can do that real quick. But two screenshots here of some of the ministries of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Those are the first three. Then the next three are these. He prays on our behalf when we have no words. Romans 8, 26, and 27. Like, do you ever get to a spot that you just don't know how to pray? Like, you're in such a suffering condition, you can't even come up with the words. Anyone else? I'm there, and I sometimes ask in those moments, Holy Spirit, would you pray on my behalf? And the Bible promises that he will. He affirms that we are God's children. Galatians 4 and Romans 8, we are God's sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he affirms, 1 Corinthians 6, that we are the temple of the living God. That quite literally, God has chosen to make you and me his dwelling place, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us as we trust ourselves to Christ. And if we live in these realities, I think we'll grow in confidence. I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating that many of us are more familiar with the enemy's voice than we are with the voice of the Spirit of God. The enemy's voice is condemning and accusing, and he's a liar, and he twists things, and he makes us feel shame. The voice of the Spirit of God is affirming, and it leads us to confidence in the basis of the things, though, that we just showed in those verses. It leads us to a deeper level of hope and affirmation and strength with whatever well we might be going through. Over time, slowly but surely, as you lean into the Holy Spirit and these truths that were on the screen make that 18-inch journey from our brain to our hearts, we grow in Confidence. My favorite Bible verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but he gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Say this with me. Not fear, but power. Say that. Not fear, but power. One more time in the venue. Not fear, but power. That's what the Holy Spirit gives to us. So if you're walking around constantly timid with no confidence at all, Ask the Holy Spirit for more confidence. Ask the Holy Spirit for more power. And slowly but surely over time, he will give you more confidence in who he is and who he is inside of you. Now, please notice that under this principle, I did not say the Holy Spirit wants to give you a happy, pleasure-filled life. Drop that like a bad habit. I didn't say that at all. Okay, suffering is coming to all of us. Resistance will come to all of us. What we said and what we believe is this, that if you're a son or daughter of God, if the Holy Spirit is in you and he will never forsake you, if he's giving you a spiritual gift or two for ministry, if he's increasingly conforming your character to his so that it would be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, if you have one who always prays for you, who's an advocate for truth on your behalf, if you believe those things in your bones, slowly but surely, that grows confidence in our souls. The right identity inspires confidence. Identity in the Son and the Spirit's place in our lives inspires confidence. Guidance principle number three is this. The Holy Spirit's guidance or the Holy Spirit's nudging will always conform to the truth of Scripture. I want to let you in on a little secret. Here it is. Ready? Here's a little secret. You can misunderstand the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Right? You and I can get it wrong. Right? Right? Please, somebody, nod with me. We can. Have you? I have. I've misunderstood the voice of the Spirit. And that's okay. God's not going to give you a lightning bolt when you get it wrong, okay? That's not the character of God. But you can misunderstand the gentle whisper or nudging of the Holy Spirit. So how do you know when it's the Holy Spirit nudging you and when it's bad pizza that you ate last night. How do you know? Here's how you know. It must conform to the words of scripture. Any subjective impression of what the Holy Spirit is giving to me must conform to the objective standard of the words of scripture that are not based on my subjective sense of what the Spirit is doing. So this is the standard, though, that we always come back to. Jesus says this in John 14, he says, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. That word another in the Greek is so beautiful, it means of the same kind. So the same character of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit that Jesus is giving to us. The same power, the same love, the same self-discipline that Jesus had, so also he gives to us far from the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And verse 26 says, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Now stick with me here. What we're talking about is these two different supporters, these two different comforters that are given to us. First is the support of the Holy Spirit that we have, and second is the support or the comfort or the direction of the Scriptures that we have. And if you want to be sure that what you're sensing from the Spirit is indeed from God, then it always needs to be in confirmation with the Scriptures. Hebrews 4 puts it this way, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to divide joints and marrow, soul and spirit, penetrating the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This is what the word of God is able to do for us. And so we take the counsel of the Holy Spirit with the counsel of the word. And where Christians get in trouble is when they take the counsel of the Holy Spirit and they say, I'll just go with that. It always conforms to an objective standard of the Scriptures. And so the way this works itself out on a daily basis is this we meditate on the Scriptures, we study, we memorize principles and verses and stories, we think through stories, we get those stories into our souls. And then when we get into a position where we're in need of the Spirit's direction for us, then he provides what John 14, 26 just said. He reminds us of the truth at our time of need. So one of the greatest ministries of the Holy Spirit to us is after you have done the work of studying and meditating on the Scriptures, then the Holy Spirit brings them back to mind just when you need them. Maybe you've had that experience that you've been in, Some kind of difficult setting where you've been really uncomfortable, or you felt like you've been under the thumb of someone, or you're, you know, experiencing resistance or even persecution of some kind, and in that moment, a word from the Lord comes back to your mind, and you say, how did that get in there? It's two reasons. You had the support of the scriptures, which you previously meditated on, and then you have the support of the Holy Spirit, which brings those words to mind just when we need them. Again, this is what Jesus is preparing his disciples for as he's approaching that old rugged cross. He's telling his disciples that I'm gonna be gone, but I'm giving you the Holy Spirit who will remind you of everything that I have previously said to you. As a cross reference, he does the same thing over in Luke chapter 12. You'll see Luke 12 up on the screen. It says this, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you'll defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time, what you are to say. And the way he teaches it to us, again, is after we have studied the scriptures for ourselves and then we come to the Holy Spirit in that submissive posture that says, Speak, Lord, I am in need, and I, your servant, I am listening. Now, friends, this comes to us particularly when we're not comfortable. Is it a coincidence that the Holy Spirit is called a comfort comfort? A comforter? It's not a coincidence. So some of us say, well, I I never hear from the Holy Spirit. I never get in a nudging or a guidance from the Holy Spirit. I would ask you, are you always comfortable? Is your life too comfortable? Because he's a comforter that provides his ministry when we are uncomfortable. That's what he does. Again, the context, remember, the disciples are about to be thrown out of the synagogues. They're about to experience incredible resistance and persecution, and Jesus says, Jesus will give you all you need. The Holy Spirit will give you all you need at that time when this difficulty comes. That's when the Holy Spirit will come near to you. And so the question is, like, do we idolize comfort sometimes to our detriment? If we do, we're not going to experience much of the Spirit's comfort. The Holy Spirit comes to us specifically when we need a supporter, specifically when we need comfort, specifically when we're being rejected. And again, that guidance will always conform to the Scriptures. It will never be contradictory to, to the Scriptures. Now, you may say, I've, again, I've never heard any guidance from the Holy Spirit, but I love the way Ron Brown puts it. He says, if you want to be sure that you're hearing from God, just open your Bible up and read it out loud. And then you can be sure the spirit of God is speaking to you because God speaks through his word. Guidance principle number four is the Holy Spirit will empower you to take risks for the gospel. Again, if he wants us sometimes to be uncomfortable, then we should expect he also will want us sometimes to take risks for what really matters in this world. Like some of us only take financial risks. That won't do. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's just taking financial risks. He's talking about taking risks for the gospel. That's what we're invited to do is take risks for the gospel, to get uncomfortable at times in order to pursue what matters most in this world. Acts 1 is such a profound passage on this. This is Jesus at his resurrection. He's uh, about to go. Uh, Back to the Father, after his resurrection, he's giving these final instructions to his disciples as they're huddled together in the upper room, and they're waiting on uh, the Holy Spirit to come. And Jesus says this in Acts 1, verses uh, 6 through 8. They gathered together around Jesus in his resurrection, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. In other words, the disciples are asking, When are you coming back to fix everything? And what's Jesus' answer? That ain't none of your business. That's his answer. Don't get caught up in controversies and conspiracies. That ain't none of your business. Or put another way, he is asking, the disciples are asking, when are you gonna come back and put our nation back in power so that we can have a comfortable life again? We're tired of being under the thumb of the Greeks. We're tired of being under the thumb of the Romans. When are you going to come back and put our, hear me now, political leaders in power? That's what they're asking. So that we can be comfortable again. And Jesus is saying, don't concern yourself with that. That ain't none of your business. He's saying instead, concern yourself with this. Do the great commandment and do the great commission. Love your family, love your neighbors, love your coworkers. Take risks for your family and your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers. Take risks for those who are far from God. Take risks for what matters most, which is souls for eternity. Is anyone with me here? This is what we're called to take risks for. This is what he invites us to do. Go and be my disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I I look at college students in here, and I sometimes just pray, God, would you raise up some of these college students to to be pastors? Would you raise up some of these college students to, to be missionaries? Would you raise up college students to make a difference for time and eternity across the world? Do you pray for that too? I pray for that. Do you pray for that for yourself? Would you raise me up to make a difference in my neighborhood for eternity? Because this is what God has left for us. Like really, his instructions are so simple. It simplifies life so much just to focus on his basic instructions on a daily basis. I I got into an ugly place toward a guy at the YMCA where I like to go work out. And for whatever reason, I've ran into this guy several times over the past number of years. And he's just a guy that if I can tell this small number of friends here, I don't really like. I won't say his name. I don't like him because he's so cocky. And he comes in and he's always talking about how fit he is and how buff he is. And he makes skinny guys like me feel insecure. And he's just—he's always talking about himself. And so I kind of have, for a few years, avoided this guy when I'd see him at the YMCA. And sure enough, about a month ago, I was in the locker room, and he walks in, and my immediate response is to kind of turn the other way. And as I turn the other way, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit convicted me. The Holy Spirit convicted me. What are you doing judging this man? Like, why would you expect him to do anything but sin? He does not know Christ. What do you expect him to say or think? Are you going to sit there standing in conviction over him, or are you going to bring him the words of life? And in that moment, after conviction, I apologized to God, and then I said, yes, God, I will follow. And I went over there and I said to him, I apologize, we've seen each other on a number of occasions and I've never introduced myself to you. My name's Adrian, what's your name? And he introduced himself to, to me and we have a good little conversation and after two or three minutes he says, aren't you a pastor in town? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm a pastor down the street at Kearney E Free Church. The rest of those people are a lot nicer than me. Anyway, we had a nice little conversation. I asked about his life, asked about his family, asked about what he does for a living. I said, I can't wait to talk to you again soon, and we'll see what the Lord does. But speak, Lord, for I, your servant, am listening. And God, if you'd give me an opportunity with this man, I would love to be a part of that. I'd love to be your servant in this man's life, because the Holy Spirit will guide us to take risks for what matters most, which is souls for eternity. Finally, the Holy Spirit will guide us more as we turn down the volume. If you want more guidance from the Spirit, it's predicated on submission and then turning down the volume. I just have to believe that Samuel, as he was learning to listen to God, turned off his Spotify account. I have to believe that he logged off of Instagram, and perhaps he even turned off the TV that's always going in the background. And then after a while, he was able to extend his hands and open his ears, and really mean it when he said, speak, Lord, because finally, it's taken a while, but I, your servant, am listening. I'm finally in a place where the noise has been turned down, and I could actually hear from you if you chose to whisper to me. During sabbatical, I got the privilege, and I know it's a privilege that few people get, but I got the privilege to spend a lot of time with God. I got the privilege to just say, Speak, Lord, I want to listen and i got the privilege to chew on short passages of scripture for a really long time and pray through those and say god where are you convicting me where am i off the mark where do you want to guide me what's wrong in me what's in, what's wrong in me as a husband what's wrong in me as a father what's wrong in me as a pastor would you cleanse me and I enjoyed more sweet times with God than I have in many, many, many years. And so now's the hard part for me. I have to bring that back into real life. And so a few things that I'm trying to do now in real life as I seek to keep the volume turned down is, number one, maintain a very, very, very strict media and social media diet. Because I don't want my mind mostly influenced by that. And number two, I'm spending a few minutes every day with my hands outstretched like this in silence, just saying, speak, Lord. Is there something that you want to whisper to me here at the beginning of the day? And then I open the scriptures, and then typically I just meditate on a short passage for a half an hour, and I pray through it, and I ask God for application on it, and I chew on it, and then I bring it into the day. A few very small steps for maintaining a lifestyle of sabbatical now that I've re-entered a busy life. And I know you all are busy as well, but I do believe that as we turn down the volume of our lives, that as we submit ourselves daily to the Holy Spirit's reign over our lives, that in that posture we will hear from God a whole lot more than if we don't. Let's ask God for help. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you continue to guide us today. We thank you this is not something that is specifically for Samuel or Elijah. It's not simply something for the disciples. It's not something that's simply for the heroes of our faith that we think about, but you have promised to give your Holy Spirit, which would be an advocate to truth, that would convict us of our failures and guide us to follow you more. And you've promised that for every one of us. And so Lord, this is our heart's desire is to be guided more and more by you this week. I pray for any friends in this room who have never actually surrendered their lives to God. That's where it begins. It begins with this word submission. That we would say, Lord Jesus, would you have your way in me? I look to the cross and I ask that you would forgive me of all my sins and failures and I ask that you would reign over my life, that you would be Lord, you would be president, you would be ruler, you would be king over my life. And maybe you've never done that today. That's the beginning. And it's from there that the Holy Spirit would fill you and the Holy Spirit could guide you. So for any friends who are against the wall right now, who are in a terribly uncomfortable place right now, who are deeply in need of support right now, for those who are in need of a counselor right now at Carneyefree.com and those who are watching online, those who are in the venue, those who are here in the auditorium who are in need of support right now, Holy Spirit, would you come? And would you guide? Would you lead us according to the truth of the scriptures in whatever area that we are struggling today. Father, thank you for giving us the spirit. We submit to you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Would you have your way in us today? We all say with one voice, would you speak, O Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. In the mighty name of Christ, we pray together.